0: Hello and welcome to Change the Podcast. My name is Eric and I'd like to share a bit of word with you. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, go and make followers of all people in the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now I'd like to think that this podcast will convey those words nicely. I hope to make followers of God and not physically baptize as most people have been brought up to learn, but I hope to metaphorically baptize you with the word and I hope you will go and do the same as I am right now. I believe the way this world is, I think this is the only thing that we need right now short of a miracle and if you read through the scriptures Jesus has performed many miracles and so has God so I believe if you need a miracle anywhere you can find the word would be the best but thank you for joining me today and let's get into this episode hello and welcome to the very first episode of Change the podcast in the In these many episodes that I will make, I hope to convey God's word to you, and also in turn give you hope for the future, and for right now in these trying times. As you can hear in the background, I am, well, as I record this, I am in my front yard, so... I hope to release an episode daily just to keep everyone in tune every single day in the word of God. So today I've picked out a verse that I hope will hold some meaning and hopefully this is directed towards everyone, but mostly towards the people of God. Christians in the world that find sorrow at every turn and keep praying but it seems like God is not there let me read to you Isaiah 43 it's titled God is always with his people so it may give you an idea at first now this is what the Lord says he created you people of Jacob he formed you people of Israel he says do not be afraid because I have saved you I have called you by name and you are mine now I'd like to stop right there and look at these first let's see one two three four I'd like to look at these first five lines now this is what the Lord says he created you people of Jacob he formed you people of Israel now everyone listening may seem, may make it seem as though he is talking only to the people of Israel. And yes, he was in the Old Testament because we did not have a Savior yet. He was to come, but our Savior was not here just yet. And he was talking straight to the people of Israel, but you can take this as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a, as a person of God, you can take this as the people of Israel did back in those days. He says, do not be afraid because I have saved you. I have called you by name and you are mine. God has called all of us. If you're saved right now, That means he has called you to be one of his followers, and you are his follower. And as long as you stay true to him and keep him first in everything you do, you are his. I mean, do not be afraid because I have saved you. He has saved you from your transgressions, from your sins. Once you are saved and baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are His and you have nothing to fear. Let me keep reading. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you cross the rivers, you will not drown. When you you walk through fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames hurt you. Now, this is very interesting. He does not mean this literally. He means... Well, yes, he does. He means it literally and metaphorically. He means, when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you, we walk through the waters and walk through the fires of this world, when people believe, think of water and fire, they think of, I would assume, the trials and tribulations of this world. Raging waters and burnt and insane fires all flood this world right now in the forms of coronavirus, the recent George Floyd murder, the recent arrest of that news team. people see these trials and tribulations and they get angry at it. Especially people of God. People of God who find clarity do not have to worry about this world. They're not hung up on what happens here. They only know what is to come. But for the people of God who still focus on this world And look at this and are angered by it. Please understand. By Isaiah 43. That we can walk through these trials and tribulations of life. And God won't allow it to hurt us. He will give you peace. And tranquility. And I believe that these are also. A metaphor for death because you will pass through the waters I will be with you you will cross rivers you will not drown when you cross a raging river it seems as though you're going to be swept away and if you are swept away and die but you know the Lord he will bring you into his kingdom and you will have peace and tranquility when you walk through fire you will not be burned nor will the flames harm you If you are burned, if you are scorched, burned alive, you will enter into the peace and tranquility of heaven. But only if you have been saved by the Lord. And I keep reading. This is because I, the Lord, am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt to pay for you, and I gave Cush and Seba to make you mine. This because I am the Lord, I the Lord, your am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's talking to the people of Israel and to the people of God and people of God everywhere that he is the one who is, was, and is to come. And he'll never leave us. He's always here. He is the Lord. He is God. He is our savior, he is the holy one. I gave Egypt to pay for you and I gave Cush and Seba to make you mine. Now, this this was all the deliverances that God has made to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. He delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery through Moses and Aaron. He delivered them from Cush and from Seba And he didn't just deliver them to show him he was them he delivered them because he told them that they would not be slaves to anyone who mocked his name who denied the lord i keep reading because you are precious to precious to me because i give you honor and love you i will give other people in your place i will give other nations to save your life because you are precious to me because i give you honor and love you he right out says it everyone he honor he gives you honor he loves you to the point of where he will give you nations he will give other people's lives in your place as in i will give other people in your place now he later on in the New Testament he says greater has no man greater, greater love has no man than this that he lays down his life for his friends In the Old Testament God was seen as a very formidable and warlike god Whereas in the New Testament, people who read the New Testament see Him as a loving and nurturing Savior rather than a war-like, dangerous God as the people of Israel saw Him. So these words meant that He would protect us by giving others up for us. And it's true today. I will give other nations to save your life. This is also true. Because in Revelation, it tells of all the nations going up against the people of Israel in the last days of judgment in Revelation. And it talks about all nations will unite against the people of God for seven years and... That rule will end and they will all be gone, but we will be taken up into the folds of heaven and we will be given eternal life and the earth shall be destroyed and we will live in heaven for 10,000 years and God will create a new world for us, a new earth for us to live on and He will make it perfect. And I believe this is what He meant by I will give other nations to save your life he's going to give up these other nations that speak out against us his people and also him but he will give them up he will sacrifice them for our safety and our lives so we need not worry I read on do not be afraid, because I am with you. I will bring you children from the east and gather you from the west. I will tell the north, give my people to me. I will tell the south, don't keep my people in prison. This is an interesting part. Because in, a way, in, in context, he is saying, I will gather people from the east, the west, the north, the south, every direction they are ever seen." Every direction they are, I will bring them to me. I will bring them together. The one part that's interesting to me is I will tell the South, do not keep my people in prison. There are such things as religious police. Everyone knows this. There are things at the, there are people called religious police in other countries that imprison people for teaching religions other than. You know, Christian, other than their one religion that they believe in that country. And it's most, religious police are the biggest problem in, I would say, probably anywhere Islam Islam is a very serious culture. Religious police are very big around there and they will take into custody anyone who teaches anything other than Islamic teachings. Many Christians have been imprisoned and some have even died because they went and taught the word in a place where it was forbidden. And they were martyrs For us to go and do the same. So. In this way I believe he's saying. Do not keep my people in prison. He will go there and he will set us free. He will set all the captives free. And I read on. Bring my sons from far away. And my daughters from far away places. Bring to me all the people who are mine. Whom I made for my glory. Whom I formed and made. God created all of us. And in these words he says, I will take, I will, he's telling other people, other people who have scorned us and been against his people and him who has blasphemed his name and stood up against his, against him to bring us back. Bring back my sons, bring back my daughters, bring back the people who I made for my glory. Because we will be up there one day, and heaven is a glorious place. It's beyond our comprehension. No one knows what it looks like except John. John saw just a glimpse, though. And we read about it in Revelation, and it's a beautiful place. It's miraculous what John saw, and it was just a glimpse. And while we're up there God even says that we will praise him as shown in Revelation chapter 4 of the elders that bowed down and worshipped the Lord God saying glory 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 the God in the highest glory to God in the highest the one who is who was is and is to come they glorify him and so shall we as children of God one day whenever we are taken up in that place But right now, in this world, we should also glorify God. The one who was, is, and is to come. Whom I formed and made. He created us. He made us out of the dirt that we stand on. And I believe it was God who said in Genesis that you came from the ground and so shall you return to it. And that's why we have burials. We're burying those people. And we go into the ground as we came out of it. But our spirit doesn't. Unless you don't have... You don't trust in the Lord. Your spirit will not live on. Whom I formed and made. He created us in His image. He wants back what He made. If you created something and someone took it away and scorned it, laughed at it, mocked it, you would want it back, of course. And you would want to punish. I'm sorry. You would want to punish those people. And that's what God will do to them, to all these nations one day. I read on. Bring out the people who have eyes but do not see, and those who have ears but don't hear. All the nations gather together, and all the people come together. Bring out the people whose eyes, who have eyes but don't see, and those who have ears but don't hear. This is very prominent in many places, because... In the New Testament in Matthew, Jesus said, Those who have ears, let him hear. Those who have eyes, let him see. And he talks about it in the parable of the farmer and the seeds that a farmer had some seeds and he threw them out. And those who landed on rocky ground grew up fast but were burned by the sun and they had no roots or I'm sorry those were cast on the gravel grew up but had no roots so they died and some were cast among thorns and weeds and they grew up but the weeds and thorns choked them and they died but those who were thrown and landed ...on perfect soil... ...grew up... ...and thrived... ...and nurtured... ...and were nurtured... ...and they grew... ...and he uses this parable to describe people... ...he describes different people... ...those who are thrown onto the rocky ground... ...grow up... ...with no roots... ...as in they're just thrown into this religion... ...and they're just like, okay, I believe it... ...but they did not have roots in this religion so they die out quickly and their beliefs die fast and they cannot grow in the spirit and those who are thrown among the weeds and the thorns are those who grow up the weeds and the thorns are meant to represent the pressure of our peers, our friends, our family that don't share the same belief and want us to believe what they believe so they choke the spirit out of us And we don't grow. We die in that. And our beliefs die. But those who are thrown onto soil. Onto the perfect soil. Have the roots. Have nothing that they need. Have some adversaries. But they were not. But. Sorry. I'm kind of trailing off here. They're saved in the Lord and they have what they need to keep growing and keep believing and their beliefs their beliefs grow and their spirit grows with them I hope that makes sense I'm sorry it's been a year or two since I've ever analyzed the Bible I have to say so I may not be the best person to outline certain scriptures and what they mean if you want the right outline if i am wrong you'll want to contact your pastor and if you don't have one find a person of god that's better than me i guess at describing these things which of their gods said all the nations gathered together and all the people come together which of their gods said this would happen which of their gods can tell what happened in the beginning? Let them bring their witnesses to prove they were right. Then others will say, it is true. The Lord says, you are my witnesses and the servant I chose. I chose you so you would know and believe me. So you would understand that I am the true God. There is no God before me, and there will be no God after me. He's basically outlining and saying that all these people, all these nations that have these different these different beliefs, these different gods, he tells them to bring them forward and say, and says, "Bring forward your witnesses, bring forward your priests and your scholars of this religion, and let them be asked which of their gods said this would happen? Which of their gods can tell what happened in the beginning?" In Genesis, when God created the heaven and the earth. And he continues and says, Let them bring their witnesses to prove they were right, and the others will say it is true. Everyone has a different idea of what happened in the beginning of the world. But there is only one right answer, and it was God created the heavens and the earth, and all the beasts. He created the land and the water. He created the land. The fruits, the trees, the plants. He created the fish, the birds, the animals of the land. All the beasts of the fields. He created everything. He created man. He created all of it. And he said, and he saw that it was good. But others have this weird, twisted look on what happened in the beginning, how the world came to be. But none of them know exactly what happened in the beginning. Even atheists view the Big Bang as, we don't know what happened. They say, a big ball of whatever exploded, and everything was made in a few seconds. No. That has no substantial evidence behind it. And we have evidence through Jesus. Through Genesis, we know what happened as believers. So until their witnesses are proven correctly, others will not say that it is true. We have we are witnesses through the word of the beginning of the world what God created and we are the witnesses others may not believe it but it is true and I continue the Lord says you are the witness and the servant and the servant I chose I chose you so you would know and believe me so you would understand that I am the true God there is no God before me and there is no God after me God says, there is no one. I am the only God, and you are my servant. I chose you to be my servant. I made you to be my servant. Now, this sounds like a... Like... I guess you could say... This sounds like... oh, uh, What's the word? I'm sorry, guys. I'm blanking. This sounds like, you know, one leader controls everything. Stalin. I'm sorry, I'm blanking. But it kind of sounds like, you know, one person creates all these servants to serve him. Go in the world and make more. That sounds... That's that doesn't sound good to some people, but if you look at what he's promised us, it's amazing. It's beautiful. I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Forget what I just said. That's the wrong way to interpret that. There's no God before me and there is no god and there will be no God after me. God will get rid of all these. There should be it's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness and There's even another... Thou shalt not... Have idols... Before thy God... You know... We should not put other... Idols... Or bear false witness to these idols... Before him... But in those last days... He will destroy... Everything that these other religions know... And it will be glorious. I continue. I myself am the Lord. I am the only Savior. I myself have spoken to you, saved you, and told you these things. It was not some foreign God among you. You are my my witnesses and I am God, says the Lord. I have always been God. No one can save people from my power. When I do something, no one can change it. All these people say that there there are gods that can change the course of history no there's only one and he does not change the course he creates the history as he as he foresaw how it would become because he's already seen he's he was there at the beginning he's seen at the very beginning he saw all that will transpire up until the end of times up until we are brought into the folds of his house into heaven he has seen it he knows everything he knew every single person he knew every one of you that's listening right now he knew me before we were even thought of by our own parents he knew of our parents before they were even thought of by their own parents he knows he has known everything that has happened and it's good to know that There's a God that knows what happens. No one can save you from my power. When I do something, no one can change it. Now, this is very interesting because a lot of people say, well, I can just change what has happened here. No, you can't. This coronavirus, it was supposed to happen. I don't believe it was God's will. I don't believe it's part of God's plan. There Excuse me. There are many things that are part of God's plan. Martin Luther King was part of God's plan. JFK, I believe, was part of God's plan. I believe that many world leaders such as John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King, just to name a couple to give you an idea, I believe they were part of God's plan. They were going to create something beautiful. And what happened? Lee Harvey Oswald. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. That was not part of God's plan. God does not plan for people to die. He doesn't want them to die. He wants them to come and live with him, yes. And we can do that through death, but not until it's our time. The assassination of John F. Kennedy and the assassination of Martin Luther King were not God's doing. They were the acts of the devil because God even says the devil also has power over the earth. He has certain powers and they do not trump God's power, but they can, they can change his plans from time to time. No, he, I take that back just as I read. No one can change his plans, not even Satan. Satan. But the devil has interfered many a time with God's plan, such as God wanted a perfect world in Genesis. After He created it, He wanted something He could look at and go, "It's good." He saw it was good. He, it was before the serpent ever came down and tempted Eve, and Eve, and through that Eve tempted Adam, and darkness was brought into the world. That was not by God. God did not plan for the evil to be brought into the world. Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angel, interfered with God's righteous plan of the world. And because of this, here we are with our trials and tribulations, our sicknesses, and our rioting in the world right now. And... It's not God's plan for us. His plan was for peace, tranquility, and everything that people try to push that doesn't come to that doesn't come to happen solely because the devil interferes. I'll read on. This is what the Lord who saves you, the Holy One of Israel, says. I will send armies to Babylon for you, and I will knock down all its locked gates. The Babylonians will shout their cries of sorrow. I am the Lord your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Now, this is the Lord who saves you. This is what the Lord who saves you, the Holy One of Israel, says. I will send armies to Babylon for you. Babylon was the biggest problem that Israel had to deal with in its days of trials and tribulations. It was the biggest, you know, it was, it was the biggest country that blasphemed, it was the biggest state, it was the biggest country, like I said, that blasphemed the Lord's name and it bore fault, and it, they bore false witness to these idols, of these idols, and they mocked and scorned the people of Israel for believing in God. And he said, I will go and I will destroy Babylon. But there are many different countries out there right now, including our own, there are some people that scorn and mock the people of God. And just like Babylon, he will go and he will destroy them. I believe he says this in Revelation, all the nations will be destroyed by the hand of God for mounting up and going to war against the people of God. Israel, however you interpret that, he will save us from the clutches of evil. Now this section is called God will save his people again. This is what the Lord says. He is the one who made a road through the sea and a path through rough waters. He is the one who defeated the chariots and horses and the mighty armies. They fell together and will never rise again. They were destroyed as a flame is put out. As in, he... He is the one who made a road through the sea. Now, if you don't know this already, there was a, there was a place in time where God delivered his people from Egypt. Like I was saying earlier, he delivered them from being servants and Moses led them to the Red Sea. Children grow up learning this story. You learn this story As you begin to read through the Old Testament, it's one of the greatest stories in the world because it's one of the biggest miracles God ever performed in his early years, in the early years of Israel. God parted the seas as, well, Pharaoh, first let me explain. Pharaoh went after the Jews because the Jewish people, sorry, not Jews, the Jewish people because he wanted to have back have them back he was infuriated by what happened that Mo, that what moses said would come to pass and god wrought the plagues on him on egypt until pharaoh went go leave us we don't want any more sorrow so moses took the people of israel out of egypt after passover of course but Pharaoh, after seeing them, realized we don't have any workers anymore. So he went. So he, with a cavalry, went to face down and take back the people of Israel. And Moses saw this from a distance, and prayed to God and said, "God, please find us a way. Make us a way from. Make us a way to escape the Egyptians. To escape our them." their captors, and God parted the seas, and they walked straight through, and once every Israelite was through the split seas, was through the Red Sea, it crashed down on top of Pharaoh's men. So that's what he means by, he is the one who made a road through the sea, and a path through rough waters. Now this, I believe, is a story from, shoot, I believe this would be, I don't know if this would be, um, it's either Deuteronomy or Joshua, but once Moses died and Aaron died, and Joshua took over as leader of the Israelites, before they made it to the walls They made it to the story of how they marched around the wall seven times, six times, and on the seventh day, the wall came tumbling down after the blow of their horns because of God. Now, this, before, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was a God-given, it was supposed to be a shrine that held the Lord's power, I believe. It hold, it held Lord, the Lord's power, and also later on, after Moses and Aaron died, it held the original set of Ten Commandments. I don't remember if it held the first set that was broken. I believe it was the first set that was broken was held in there. And Aaron's staff, which after he died was very interesting because he, his staff blossomed after he died. It was insane. His spirit left his body and went to heaven. And afterwards, I don't remember if it was a few days or directly. Afterwards, his staff started blossoming with flowers. And so his staff was kept in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, only holy people, religious people apparently, could touch the Ark of the Covenant. Anyone else, there's a story in um, either Leviticus or Numbers where... one of the one of the priests i guess he either took a bad step or didn't have a good grip on the ark of the covenant but he stumbled and fell and the ark started falling and this man he didn't want it to touch the ground so he got so he ran to help pick it up and as soon as he touched it he was struck dead most people say he was struck by lightning by the power of god yes it was the power of god not lightning as soon as he touched it his spirit went out of his body and he was dead on the spot so people feared the ark of the covenant but they wanted to get it through the river jordan and joshua prayed to god and said god please help us find a way through the river jordan or around it please give us a path so he split these rough waters of the river jordan and they walked through with the ark of the covenant. He is the one who defeated the chariots and horses, the chariots and horses, and the mighty armies. Now this is a reference to all the different battles that the Israelites weighed, were waged against all these different places that they were able to conquer because of the because of God. Because he was the one that actually defeated them when they had low numbers. They fell together and will never rise again. They were destroyed as a flame put out. As a, as a flame is put out. Now, they fell together and will never rise again. He made sure that once they were destroyed, they would never come back and haunt our pe- the people of Israel, or the people of God, for that matter. They were destroyed as a flame is put out. As in, they were destroyed faster as fast as you blow out a candle. now we're almost done i'm sorry this video is this podcast episode is long the lord says forget what happened before and do not think about the past look at the new thing i am going to do it is already happening don't you see it i will make a road in the desert and rivers in the dry land even the wild dogs wild animals will be thankful to me the wild dogs and owls they will honor me when i put water in the desert and rivers in the dry land to give to give water to the to my people the ones i have chose the people i made will sing songs to praise me this means through the desert and through the dry land he will put water in rivers i believe this is also a metaphor kind of like i said earlier in the video in the episode where you will not burn, you will walk through the flames, and you will not burn, and the flames will not hurt you, or you will pass through the waters, and you will not drown. I believe this is still talking about the trials and tribulations that the people of God and the people of Israel have have faced and will face, and are facing too. But these dry lands and desert are the tribulations and trials that we go through every single day. And what the people of Israel did too. But he even says. They will honor me when I put water in the desert and rivers in the dry land. he will create a way to more or less. He will put something to relieve us. Refresh us and keep us. Keep us from losing hope. Because if you're out in the middle of the desert and you're dying of thirst, you only want one thing, water. Of course. I mean, you may be dying of hunger too, but you only want water. And this is what he is meaning by it. People of Jacob, you have not called to me. People of Israel, you have become tired of me. Now this is a big point because during the 40 days I believe it was 40 days that they were in the desert. But during the time they were in the desert, the people of Israel got restless. And Moses performed miracles in God's name to create water, to create, you know, food and water for them whenever they got annoyed and irritated. Now, the problem with this was the people of Israel, no matter how many times... God performed their miracles and kept them alive and they rejoiced for, who knows, a tiny short amount of time compared to the time they were in the desert, they grew impatient because the first miracle he made them, he told Moses to do, was speak to the rock and water shall flow from it. Now, instead, Moses struck the rock with his staff and water flowed from it, but the people of Israel were happy. They were fine. Sooner or later, though, they got hungry. So God sent manna, it's a very sweet bread, to fill their stomachs. And they were happy for a time. Now, later on, they got restless. They were tired of eating manna. They were tired of drinking water. They wanted other things. But God said, be patient and be grateful they were blessed food and water came out of the air because God made it and they were still restless and irritated and it it pains me to say but the people of Israel were a real nuisance they were really annoying and I mean it makes sense because you have a God that can do all these great things it doesn't make sense sorry it should it doesn't make sense I said it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because you have a God that can do all these amazing, beautiful miracles—making water come out of a rock, making food fall from the air. It's—it's it's one of those things where you have to go, you have to wonder. They got fed up, but why? I mean, you have a God that can do all these amazing miracles for you in the middle of the desert, and you're still unhappy? It's kind of, an int- it's kind of a weird part of the story. <clears throat> you have not brought me your sacrifices of sheep, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I did not weigh you down with sacrifices to offer, or make you tired with incense to burn. So you did not buy incense for, incense for me. And you did not freely bring me fat from your sacrifices. Now this is very interesting because before Jesus came, we did not have a way into heaven. So everyone that died was dead. I mean, they did not have eternal life. Only the people that were religious to God. The only way you could actually make good You know, make good with God, I guess is you had to sacrifice the fruit of your flock or the fruit of your fields and it was one of those things where you had to give the very best to him because he gave the very best for us later on in the New Testament and most of it was sheep and incense, of course, is the stuff you burn I guess it's supposed to smell really good and attract the attention of people Anyway, you. Didn't, but you have not brought me your sacrifices nor honored me with them. People sacrifice. He's saying they have not sacrificed in a while. They've just. So you not. Instead, you have weighed me down with your many sins, and you have tired. You have made me tired of your many wrongs. They've mostly just brought forth their sins. They told him their sins. And he says, that's not what I told you to do. You're making me tired and annoyed with all these things, bringing them forth to me. Now, take everything I'm saying and take everything I'm describing with a grain of salt. I'm reading the word straight out of the Bible, but my interpretation may be off considerably. I, I am the one who forgives all your sins for my sake I will not remember your sins but you should remind me, let me dis- let's me let meet and decide what is right tell what you have done and show you are right your first father sinned and your leaders have turned against me so I will make your holy rulers unholy I will bring destruction on the people of, people of Jacob and I will let Israel be insulted now this, this is very interesting he even says, I am the one who forgives all your sins for my sake. I will not remember them. Later on, God says, or even Jesus says later on in the New Testament that I have cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, if you go around east or west, and you try to get to the opposite direction of them, if you keep going east and you expect to go west, you know, you're trying to find the distance between east and west. There is no distance. It's infinite. If you go east all the time and expect to go west, you're not going to be able to because you're always going to go east. Same thing with the opposite way. If you keep going west you'll keep and expect to go east, you'll keep going west forever. He has cast those sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. Now granted, Jesus hadn't come yet, but he still explains that I forgive all your sins and will not remember them. Now he does remember our sins but he casts them away. But you should remind me let's meet and decide what is right tell what you have done and show you are right. Now this I don't know how to describe. The next part, however, is interesting. Your first father sinned, and your leaders have turned against me. Yes. Okay, sorry. Reading the Bible a little bit weird. Your first father sinned, and your leaders have turned against me. Now, this is describing a time where, sort of like King Saul did, he turned away from the Lord. And even King David did, one of the most righteous rulers of Israel at one time. He turned away from God at a point in his life. I believe it was after he murdered the wife or the husband of Bathsheba in war accidentally of course he planned for it but anyway this was whenever he was all the leaders were you know against him and they were making pagan idols because they were being pressured kind of like the seeds like I said earlier about the farmer and the seeds he sowed being cast into the weeds they were being choked with other religions so I will make your holy rulers unholy I will bring destruction on the people of Jacob and I will let Israel be insulted he's saying all this has happened all your leaders are against me no one no longer does anyone follow me so I will make your holy rulers unholy. Which means I will give you rulers that don't trust in me. I will bring destruction to the people of Jacob. He'll, he won't protect us. He'll, he won't protect them. He'll just leave them to die. to die out and he may create a new place. And I will let Israel be insulted. He's not going to care if Israel gets annoyed with him and mocks him and scorns him for letting them be destroyed, it's, it's because they turned their back on him. He told them to sacrifice and not tell him their sins because he doesn't care about our sins. I mean, he does, but he wants us to be free of them. And that, the way to do that was sacrifice, and they had stopped sacrificing. They just wanted to tell him their sins. Their sins were one of those things that God was just like, please do not tell me. Don't remind me. I don't want to remember your sins. I want you to be free of them and keep sacrificing. So that's the end of Isaiah 43. I just wanted to outline what God said in that. And I believe certain parts do do kind of reflect on what has happened in the world and what is happening And what will happen in the future. But I hope you all remember that God's always near. You just got to believe in him no matter what. And he'll be with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I know it's very long episodes. I promise. Well, I can't promise. But I hope the episodes won't be near as long. And I hope I'll be more prepared for my next one. But like I said, this is my very first episode on this. And if you'd like to listen more, please... Please... Tune in to the next episode that I make. Until then, thank you guys so much for listening. And please keep God first and trust in the Lord. He will make everything right soon, I promise thank you guys and I'll see y'all in the next one